Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Tuesday, October 18th. Joining us today is LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how you doing? All right, how are you? Pretty good. It's been it's been a while since uh you and I have done a podcast. I see you at all the games. I know we we tried to get it going, but you're a busy man. Well, you got to get you got to get away from the Laker game. Now that the season's over, maybe you'll be able to watch some soccer. <laughs> you're uh been distracted by the Lakers and the Dodgers season looks like it's about to end too. So maybe you'll be able to come back full time to soccer. You know, you know, it was you know watching. I had I had to watch. I had to experience that. You know, LA has not won anything in like ten years, and I was like, if they lose Game Six, I'm not. I, I know. It's, I know it's not going to happen. So I'm happy the Lakers won. The Dodgers, on the other hand, the Dodgers are already broken my heart too many times that. If they get out in this round with against the Braves, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's hard to root for the Dodgers. Um, so yeah. Anyways, we're we're here to talk soccer. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit of soccer. Um, obviously, big what? Go ahead. LAFC. I was to say LAFC looks a little bit like the soccer version of the Dodgers. I mean, like the Dodgers. You know, LAFC is really great during the regular season. Last year they set record best regular season in MLS history. And then they, they lose their second game in the playoffs. And looks like the Dodgers are the same thing. You know, they've dominated the national league the last couple of seasons and, and they just can't, uh, can't get anything done in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I know some fans may be, may, may not like that comparison, but it, it has been a short, short history for LAFC. And hopefully none of that is rubbing off on none of that Dodgers uh, voodoo is rubbing off on them because that that would not be uh, very exciting, obviously for for any LAFC fan. But um, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, they're, they're rolling, so we'll, we'll get into it. They they won three to one against the Seattle Sounders. Danny Masovsky had two two big goals. He now has four goals in the season and one assist. He also got Player of the Week. This kid, man, he's just he's just, anytime I've seen him play, he's just come in and impacted the game. Whether it was ten minutes or twenty minutes, or whatever, you you really see the effort that he puts in there. And you know, I I wasn't um, as optimistic. Uh, I don't think you anybody. Uh, I thought this was going to be a tough game for LAFC, but they completely came out and dominated uh, the Seattle Sounders. Though they were, they, they, though the Seattle Sounders were very, uh, you know, they'd have a couple opportunities to tie the game. Um, I was just I was just surprised without the weapons that LAFC had, without four starters, they came away with the win the way they did against the Sounders, which I, you know, to me. I think they may be the best team in MLS. Well, you know, Seattle was missing three starters as well, although not, uh, I mean, they weren't missing an MVP candidate. Well, I guess Rui Diaz is an MVP candidate, but um, certainly LAFC with the injuries that they came in, you know, they were already without Vela. They were already without Tristan Blackman. Uh, neither one has played for several weeks. And uh, so they kind of had a, a, a um, lineup that had been stitched together 
just to start the game. And then um, six minutes in, Mark Anthony K had an ugly, ugly incident where he twisted his ankle. If you saw the replay, it was really gruesome. Um, he has now, we know, a grade two sprain of his right ankle. Um, that's a fairly serious injury, but he's already mm-hmm. apparently able to put weight on it and walk around. So that's that's good. He will definitely not make the trip to Portland and the, game, the Sunday game, the weekend game as well. Um, and the guy that replaced him, Andy Nahar, came in the sixth minute. By the 13th minute, Andy Nahar was out of the game. He has a hamstring pull. Um, it's not considered uh, severe, but he will definitely not make the trip Wednesday. He will probably not play on uh, over the weekend either. So when you add in the four international players who won't be back until October 25th at the earliest, uh, Tristan Blackman and, and Carlos Vela also out. Now you lose Mark Anthony Kay and Andy Nahar. That's why at the end of that game, you saw two teenagers on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why why Danny got, got the chance to play. By the way, the, the, the goal scorers uh, for the Galaxy, um, it, you know, D- Danny doubled his MLS um, total with his two goals. He also assisted on one. Francisco Gianella got the other goal. That was his first in MLS. Um, there were a lot of firsts. You know, uh, Christian Torres played 45 minutes. That It's his first full half in MLS. Um, there, there were a lot of first because that lineup they had to cobble together. And, you know, as you said, beating a Seattle team that is leading the conference is the, the defending MLS champion, a team that had beaten L.A. three in a row. Uh, this was a LAFC team that had already lost twice at Bank of California. That equals their total from the first two seasons combined, had not won back-to-back games this season. This win over a really tough team and with all the adversity LAFC had to go through, I think this is a signature win for the team. I think this is a, a team, a, a win rather, that that turns this thing around. Uh, and LAFC is looking at a pretty soft schedule going forward. They play the Portland Timbers twice, but none of the other teams they play the rest of the way have a winning record. Yeah, and, and, and you, just, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head um, there. By the way they beat this team and how they did it, and you know, and the and the weapons that they had, they had, um, it's an impressive win by them. And the way you know the job that Bob Bradley has done. I'm just looking here at the lineup, the starting lineup. You had Latif, Latif Blessing on the right right back. You know, Dejan Djakovic, Eddie Segura, Jordan Harvey. Also want to highlight Jordan Harvey. He also made um, MLS play, uh, team of the week, and he also had a big save. Uh, I think I think it was in the first half. He he he. No, it was in, it was was early in the second half. It was in like the fifty sixth minute, and that that would have the game. Yeah, he headed the ball off the line. Um, he was in goal. The ball had gotten past uh, Pablo Cisnega, and, and there was nothing to stop it from going in the goal until Jordan Harvey stuck his big melon in front of it and headed it away. <laughs> uh, um, he you know he he was named player man of the match by LAFC fans. That's how big that play was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and t- t- and just talking about a player who has not played majority of the season and just stayed active and you know just stayed in shape and everything. Um, and obviously we've seen him be called up. I think maybe this is his third game. Correct me if I'm wrong. But with the, with the resources that they, I mean, you know, Andy Nahar at times not being able. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, Jordan Harvey. I think the previous game he was playing center back. Now they have him on his normal position at, at you know, at left back. I think the effort that he showed and just, you know, the hunger that he showed as a veteran still like, hey, you know, still wanting to start for this team really speaks volumes about him and where he's at. And I feel like a lot of the younger players can really learn from a player from Jordan Harvey, who's been in this league for so long. And it's able to just, I think it also is like his mentality, right? Just to stay focused and just know that, hey, 
uh, you know, I'm not getting opportunities, but I know once I get that opportunity back, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make it happen. Because at times this year he has he has not looked his best, but I would say this by far would probably be his best game so far this year. Well, there's a reason that he came back. Um, you know, the, the LAFC. You talk about the resources they have. They really don't have that many resources. They went into this off season. Uh, really um, with a lot of issues, money issues. Uh, the first year in, in the league, a team, uh, an expansion team, it's over a million dollars in allocation money from the league to help build a team for that first season. That money goes away. And then all of a sudden uh, LAFC has to deal with the same budgetary constraints and salary cap that every other team has to deal with. And so that, that was a big issue for LAFC going into this off season. And you saw they, they could only bring back one of their veteran defenders, Stephen Bettishore, or Jordan Harvey, and both of them had been uh, key contributors. I think probably Stephen Bettisor was the, the better player. Uh, obviously, the Galaxy or LAFC rather felt that Jordan Harvey, as the veteran, was going to be able to contribute more in tutoring and mentoring some of the young players. Also, he's quite a bit cheaper. Uh, that that's one of the reasons he came back. So you talk about him not playing much, and you talk about what he does. You know, being prepared, being ready to go, the leadership that he shows. That's why they brought him back. That's exactly what they wanted him to do. So, um, you know, it, you shouldn't be surprised. Another thing with Jordan Harvey, you know, he played that game in Real Salt Lake, which uh, a game LAF, or LAFC won in Real Salt Lake. Um, he played at center back. That's not a position that he's familiar with, and it's not one that he's comfortable with. Um, uh, but he played that in, without complaint, uh, played reasonably well, and then he comes back and plays outside back in this game, a game where he had to move around a lot. That's exactly what LAFC wanted him to do. So, again, no surprise, but kudos to him to being ready to step in at two different positions when, as you say, first seven months of the season, he's watching the games from the bench. Yeah, no, and exactly. And also just uh, give kudos to Bob Riley. He he got uh, coach of the week as well. So LAFC, out of the last three, four, three of the last four games they've won, um, they lost that game to San Jose. So they 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 look. I thought to me the game in San Jose was probably their worst loss, but they have bounced back. Like you mentioned earlier, back to back games. Um, first year all year winning back to back games against Real Salt Lake, the Sounders, and like you said, the 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 schedule tends to look somewhat easier. I would say they they play the Sounders, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we had, like I said, just said, we have seen this team lose to a San Jose team that that looked beatable. So tomorrow they, they face Vancouver. They travel to Portland, I believe. Uh, that's where that's where Vancouver's playing. And I just want to add uh, also today, LAFC uh, announced the signing um, Mark Zagberg's. I'm a, I'm a butcher's name. Um, so he's a, he's a defender. Got him on loan from Memphis 901 FC. And then also last week uh, we we announced that obviously the, the team announced that they signed Mahala, who saw some playing time. Um, this Sunday. So you are seeing LAFC bring in those recruitments and they also signed, uh, excuse me, Jesus, uh, Jesus Murillo, uh, Colombia from uh, Independiente Medellin. So you are seeing them um, bring in those reinforcements. Um, and if the team trends is trending upwards, like the, 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 how it looks like it. And then you add in the, you know, a couple weeks from now when they play they're they're, they're scheduled to play LA galaxy on the 25th. And if things starts trending up, you know you're gonna have you're gonna see this team uh, have a lot more depth than we initially thought. You know, and it, it doesn't they don't look like they're hurting that much without those four players. Well, I mean they they are and they they aren't. I mean they've been able to adapt without it. And and one of the things that this means is that 
by getting some of these other players, not so much a Jordan Harvey, he's going to be ready to go, but Mukowski and, and some of these other players that are having to come in off the bench. Uh, El Munir had to play quite a bit in this last game. By getting these guys to come in and play, um, what they're doing is they're uh, adding to the depth and experience. I mean, you know, if you have a, a, a team with 11 to 14 players that play all the minutes, then you get into a playoff situation where you need extra guys. You need someone to fill some minutes. It's very difficult to do that, to have these guys just step up. Well, now some of these guys are getting some real minutes. So Danny, for example, when Danny goes back to the bench, and he will go back to the bench, he's at best their fourth forward. So when they're all at full strength, um, he's back to the bench. And now let me, he goes, hold on, let me let me let me ask you about that because um, John Rojas he just tweeted. We'll just get into it real quick. He just tweeted. He just tweeted at, at me that Brian Rodriguez got benched at halftime. So do you, do you think? I know that he started. Uh, Masovsky started at, at wing. Do you think? Because um, I th- I think there's a real competition there. I I I think Danny Masovsky, um, you know, has impacted uh, LAFC games more than Brian Rodriguez and. Danny Masovsky's one player of the week and team of the week. And I don't think Brian Rodriguez at this point has gotten any of those accolades. I, I, I would beg to differ a little bit on, the, on that. I, if, you, if we continue to see Danny Masovsky impact the games the way he is, I think it's hard to take out a player that's impacting a game like that and scoring the goals and, you know, well, leading the team to a win. Well, here's a couple of things. One, Danny, uh, Brian Rodriguez is third in the league in assists. Danny is not a passer. You only have one ball. Someone needs to pass the ball to uh, Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela or Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, you know, when Carlos Vela comes back or Bradley Wright Phillips, someone needs to be the playmaker. That's Brian Rodriguez's job. Um, yeah, he's benched in a World Cup qualifier in South America. That has nothing to do with what goes on with LAFC. Another thing, Danny. Well, Bob, Brad- Bob Bradley's also benched him at halftime as well. That's what. That's why I bring it up because. And I think on, on, on that point, you also have Eduardo Twesta. And I don't think Danny Masovsky is the type of player to ball hog, ball hog the ball if he has if he has those other weapons that you just mentioned, Carlos Vela. Um, I think I think he will. I, from what I've seen, I think he will be able to adjust and understanding his role and what the team needs him for. That I'm I'm just making a case for him. Well, another thing to consider is Danny is making less than $100,000 and Brian Rodriguez is a DP. Um, do you really want your DP sitting on the bench, your highest paid players? Not at all, not at all, not at all. But, but it, I, I'm thinking down the line, if it comes to a, a game where you where it's a must-win game come playoff time or come, you know, hey, if it's seeding or if it even matters this year, I, I think right now of a player who's impacted the game, like the actual game, not talking about scoring or assists, there's other ways you can impact the game. I've right, right now at this point, I've just seen more from Danny Masovsky in the limited time he has played opposed to the, opposed to the, all the minutes and all that time that Brian Rodriguez has had to play. And I get it. I get it. He's expensive. You have to play him. But I think if it comes down to a game where they have to win and you need a player to impact the game, I would ride right now with, with Danny Masovsky. Well, I, I would also argue that Brian Rodriguez, he's playing in South American qualifiers. He's a, a youth international. He's played, you know, um, with some of the best players in the world down there. He's playing with uh, Suarez right now. Um, he is not going to be, I mean, if you're talking about a big game, you, you know, one and done, you need to win the game. Um, you know, I, I think Brian Rodriguez would stand up to that pressure, but um, you know, as far as the rest of the team, you know, some of the signings they they brought in, um, 
you know, recently, it, it's it's a, a lot because of the injuries that they've had. You know, they they need to. They're trying to flesh out some of this depth, and they don't have any money to go get people. Um, uh, so they've had to, as you said, that you know they have a loan now from uh, a USL Championship team. Um, they're just trying to sort of uh, pin, uh, you know, put this thing together and get through the next couple of weeks. When these players come back from their international duty, remember they have to quarantine for ten days. That's why we're not going to see them to the Galaxy game at the earliest. Um, and and you know when you talk about Danny and some of these other players that have played so well. Again, the idea is um, with the schedule, the way it is coming up, uh, again, only two team, uh, two games against team with a winning record and both against Portland. Um, LAFC could really make a run and get some momentum. The other thing is they have two games in Portland, the next two in Portland against Vancouver, who is now playing in Portland because uh, MLS teams cannot go across the Canadian border. So Vancouver, it's temporary home is Portland. They'll be playing at Providence Park on Wednesday. And then over the weekend, uh, LAFC goes back to Portland, this time to play the Timbers in the same stadium. After that, three of their last four games are at home at mm-hmm. Bank of California Stadium. The other game was San Jose, so they don't leave the state for the last uh, two weeks of the season. It's a real chance to build some momentum and, again, to increase that experience level for some of the younger players and hopefully you know, for Bob Bradley to get Carlos Vela back on the field to run around a little bit. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. you have to worry about Vela being ready to play, but you do have to be worried about his fitness and, and his confidence. He's coming off a fairly severe knee injury. I think he needs to play some minutes just to, to, to feel that knee and to make sure he has confidence in that knee that he can push off on it. You don't want him trying to do that in the opening of, opening round of the playoffs. Yeah. I, don't, I think some games, I think, I, th- I think if you can play the last three games, or four games. Obviously, they, they they haven't told us. We don't know when he's going to be back. But Bob Bradley did say that he does expect them this season. So we got one. Obviously, he's not playing tomorrow. We got one, uh, two. Oh, we don't know, I should say. Well, we can assume that he's not playing tomorrow. I don't think he mentioned about him playing tomorrow. Uh, so I won't count tomorrow's game. So we got one, two, three, four, five. So now counting tomorrow's game, Carlos Vela has about five games uh, left that he could potentially play. Uh, I, I'm going to say maybe he plays the last three, last four games or, you know, gets minutes. But I think you really want him to play at least two games. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we don't know his uh, – obviously, the team only knows his physicality. But the not, there's nothing that you can replicate as game as, as a game, right? Game, game being game finish, playing a full 90 minutes, or, you know. I think he's going to be come, coming in slow. Coming in, um, excuse me, he's going to come in and play less minutes and you work him up. But you have about four to five games to make that happen. And I think out of those four or five games, you at least would like him to play 90 minutes. Or I don't know, he may be your secret weapon off the bench. I only plays 45 minutes. But when you have a player of that caliber, you want him to be as as fit as possible and be able to play potentially those 90 minutes. And, I, and like you said, his knee – you're, we're, I'm very interested to see how, you know, if he wears a knee brace or, you know, what, what he, because I, you know, I've tore my, my MCL and I've had to have surgery. So I'm very interested to see um, how, like you said, how confident he is, will he have a knee brace and how the, t- how the, how the team looks with him. Because when we saw him, I know it was just one game. He kind of looked a little bit out of sync, but maybe now that he's training with them in practice, um, doing these different things that may be easier to play with all these players. Cause right now they have a lot of different pieces that he, he didn't have to play with last year. 
Well, here's here's what's going to happen with Bella's comeback. He's certainly not going to play either game in Portland. A, because he's not ready, and B, because they're not going to put him on turf with a knee injury. So the two Great Portland point. games are out, the 14th and the 18th. The, the game at home with the Galaxy, um, that's on at Bank of California. It's on a good field. He may play some there. I don't think he starts that game. He may come off the bench. He may not. Uh, I think definitely, probably, if he's if he's at all close to being fit, I think he – he runs on against Houston. What I would what I would do if I were Bob Bradley and he was fit, he runs on against Houston on October 28th. And then and then you rest him. You definitely do not send him to San Jose to play on that terrible, terrible field oh, in San Jose. The, yeah, that's the worst. So, that's the yeah, worst so I, I think he plays some minutes against Houston. Then you give him a full week off to uh, see how he recovers, to let him rest, to see if it, how his knee feels. Then you play him, start him playing the full 90 minutes or as much as he can go in the final game against Portland. Then you wind up with another 11-day break um, before the playoffs start. I, I, I kind of think that's the way you bring him out. You, you get him on the field for two games, avoid the, the turf in Portland, avoid the terrible grass field uh, in San Jose, um, get him on the field where he's comfortable, a field that he's used to, he knows where the soft spots are, and then, you know, get his confidence up and let him feel good about things. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. That I mean, you make two, you make great points about the the turf in uh, and and uh, Portland. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. And, and again, San Jose, man, that I don't know what why the league hasn't done anything or why they haven't San Jose themselves ha, hasn't fixed that field. Anytime I think we I think we've seen two Galaxy games up there, and then LAFC. I think this is the first time LAFC has been up there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that is that is such a terrible field for being a, a grass field. You know, you would expect that, you know, being a, a major, you know, pro soccer league, um, that teams would at least be held accountable. You know what I'm saying? At least be held accountable for the the field and everything like that. You know, uh, you know, shout out to like LAFC and LA Galaxy. You don't see those issues out here. And I don't I don't I don't know why San Jose has that. And players are getting injured up there. And it just that that, you know, having players injured because of field. Is something that could be avoided easily, whether they change the turf or whatever. That that is not a big issue. So I don't know if it's money or whatever. I know I'm getting here on a tangent, but, but man, that 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 has to be the worst grass field in in all MLS. Yeah, I, I don't know why the league tolerates that. I mean, you know, we we've talked about why that field might be like that. I mean, certainly it's 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 in California. Yes, it's Northern California, a little bit you know more rainy. You would think that they'd be able to put a grass field together. It's an open air stadium. There, there really shouldn't be any issues, and there have been all season. Um, you know, one thing that I thought about uh, might be San Jose likes it that way. It's a home field advantage. <laughs> Maybe they feel like they know. It's like certain basketball courts. You know, there are soft spots in the basketball court where the ball doesn't bounce, and the home team knows that. The visiting team doesn't. You know, so maybe, you know, this is just guessing now. Maybe San Jose considers that some sort of a home field advantage. But when you got, you know, there's – what if Jordan Morris goes in there and tears up a knee uh, yeah. and he can't play for the U.S. national team or for the Sounders? Or or what if Carlos Valeri injures himself at some point? You know, if there were a playoff game or something there where he had to play. Uh, you know, that that's just embarrassing for MLS. Um, it's one thing to have a player injured because of a rough tackle or because of, you know, a hustle play or whatever it is. But to have a player go down because the, the turf is bad and no one bothered to fix it, that's embarrassing. And I don't know why the league has allowed that to happen. But at the same token, 
why do they still allow New York City to play at Yankee Stadium when the field is is smaller than smaller regulation? Than. I mean, that definitely dictates the way games are played. I saw Bruce Arena the other day actually marking off the, the size of the penalty area to make sure it was legitimate. Uh, I saw Matt Beasler score a goal on a throw in there once because it's so narrow. So, you know, it, it, MLS has some problems with some fields that I think they really need to address. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I don't, I don't know how much a, a home field advantage that would be for San Jose when their players are slipping as well. But, yeah, I mean, these are these are issues that you would expect the way the league is growing that you don't want – you wouldn't. It just, they just need to have a higher. You would expect them to have a higher standard, and I agree with your your point on on the NYCFC. I mean, I don't know. They got they got to find a way. I know it's New York City, but they got to they got to find a way to actually play, and soccer regulations or you know field actually field regulations because, I mean, you, you're playing in a such such a smaller field. Um, you know, it'd be an advantage for either team. But but enough of enough of all that. Um, let's get into uh, we'll we'll get into LA Galaxy unless you have anything else to add for LAFC. No, because uh, I think we'll I'll just finish off with this. They have seven games left. They're standing fourth. They're standing in fourth place right now, and they got they're on. They have twenty four points. Um, so I believe the first four the first four teams will have home field home field advantage if that's even advantage in twenty twenty. Um, so they've definitely moved up the, the the ladder up there with 24 points. So now we'll, we'll move on to LA Galaxy. Obviously, we didn't see him play this weekend uh, due to the COVID concerns with uh, with Colorado Rapids. We're not sure what's going to happen with that situation. We don't know if the, that game will get made up. But you know, the the LA Galaxy have been trending um, the wrong way. You know, the last time we saw them, they they lost three six against against Portland. Um, they were able to score more than one goal. You did see somewhat of a of, of a fight to come back uh, against the Timbers, but I feel like that in that game, the, their defense, their defense really let them down. Um, just how they, just how easily they were able to get scored on. You know, I was, I was very surprised by that and by the effort. I think the defense in the back in the back line did not have a good game there. Now they face tomorrow. They have San Jose at home. It could be a variable, winnable game. This is the fourth time I believe they played San Jose in the last couple of weeks. Um, last time it did not go so good to them, but today in a press conference, uh, Guillermo said that you know this is this game well, essentially could you know conduct our, our future uh, of us potentially making the playoffs because right now they sit 12th, which is the last place with 15 points, and I believe they've been in with 15 points for a very very long time. Um, how do you see this LA Galaxy? Well, the, the Galaxy, I mean, it's been an up and down season. They started off with a five game winless streak. Uh, worst start in franchise history. Then they had a four-game winning streak. Now they have a six-game winless streak. They've lost the last five in a row. So um, you're right. This is the fourth time they played San Jose. Uh, they beat them the first time, three to two. That was in the middle of that winning streak. Then they had a scoreless draw at San Jose, and then they they lost to uh, they, then they lost to them up there, two to one, on a late penalty kick. So um, this will be a good measuring stick because they've played San Jose again, win, loss, and a draw. They've had all three. If the Galaxy play well or, or win, you, you're definitely going to be able to say, okay, this is how they measure up. They've improved or they haven't improved. Um, the interesting thing about the six goals against Portland, I mean, the second half was just horrible. Um, the Galaxy in their, in their entire history of the franchise, 25 years, they have given up six goals in a game five times. Three of those times have been with David Bingham in goal twice this season, 
once in 2018. The other times are 2017 and 2009. So, um, you know, they, there are some things that they need to fix defensively. But offensively, you know, um, Sebastian Legette has played pretty well this year. Um, Christian Pavone had a little bit of a slump. He came back, you know, with a goal and an assist in the last game. Um, Chitarito really needs to get on track. You talk about Brian Rodriguez, and he's a designated player for LAFC that uh, may not be, uh, you know, playing up to his potential. Chicharito's the same way. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does against San Jose. And by that, I mean, he's had a lot of stuff going on personally with him this year. Mm -hmm. The the move from Europe, uh, the pandemic, his wife was pregnant. He went to Orlando for the tournament, even though his wife was pregnant. I know that he, you know, that weighed heavy on his mind. Then he got hurt, had to come back. You know, I had some obvious trouble staying fit, came back in, played a couple of games, did not do well, um, you know, had an obvious chance to score a goal against San Jose and did not, you know, missed an open net. Now that his wife has had the baby, that's over with. The injury is done. Uh, they're not going back to Orlando. All those things have been taken away from him. Um, now he just has to concentrate on soccer. I, I would hope and expect to see a much better Chicharito down the stretch here. Remember, the Galaxy have not won a game that he's played in, which is mm -hmm. bizarre to think about. Uh, I still think that he is a quality player. I still think he has a lot to give, but he needs to start showing. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it's, I think the, the thing with him, I don't, obviously you said he has, he's had a lot of personal things going on and I get it, it's 2020. I just think there, there comes a point that you're either going to step up for your team um, and make, make it happen or, you know, or he's not, or he may not be into it. Cause I, I see him, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not here to judge anybody's personal life or anything like that. I see him posting about, you know, playing video games and all that stuff, but it's not, you're not seeing what LA galaxy paid for it. You know, him being, the, you know, the record second biggest signing or, you know, the most expensive player, you know, you're, you're seeing it from, from fans, you know, from LA galaxy fans. Uh, they're, they're very frustrated and they, and they have every right to, um, and then today, or, or Tata Martino, someone had asked Tata Martino about um, uh, that Chicharito said that he wasn't aware that, you know, the, the Mexican national team or whatever, uh, who had made the list or whatever, which I'm pretty sure he was aware. Um, uh, Tata Martino said the players that are supposed to be here are the ones that deserve to be here. And I agree. I don't think Chicharito has played to his potential. I don't know what it is, but if he doesn't start turning these things around, you know, it, it's it's going to get very fresh. It's going to it's going to turn into a very ugly situation. And and I don't want I don't think any of us want that to happen. But if you're not producing and you're getting paid the most money and you're not necessarily impacting the game the way your team would like for you. You know, I, I feel like there's still maybe we still have to give him some time, but there's just certain things that that are a little bit frustrating on how he plays. You know, sometimes he, he's looking for the ball and then they try to pass him the ball. They try to lead him with the pass. And it's, it's, it's just kind of vice versa. But he had his child. They didn't play. They, they had this extra time. They didn't play against uh, against Colorado. I just hope within these last few days, they, they had some deep talks or whatever they did. I asked I asked Sebastian Legette, uh, you know, about what kind of conversations and he pretty much said that we, you know, they don't po they don't point the finger at each other, and I don't, and I haven't seen that from um, Guillermo, and I haven't seen that from any of the other players. 
which you know which i give credit to because that's kind of hard when when you're on this uh, like you said the six game winless streak and there's a lot of expectations that you're the five time uh you know the five time mls cup champion and you're playing the way you're playing and you have talent and you you know you have Pavone, chicharito obviously you don't have jono dos santos but you know it, it is kind of frustrating because you know the type of talent that they have and they haven't put it together and i think tomorrow is a great opportunity for the LA Galaxy, for Chicharito, um, to show what they have, because like I said, they only have they're 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 in twelfth place with fifteen points. Colorado right now, he's, they're sitting at nineteen points. We don't know what their future is. We don't know if they're going to play again this season. Um, if they win one game, they're literally a point away from the eight seed, depending how everything all else falls through. Right? There is still there's the the MLS season is very very forgiving. And the LA Galaxy have, I think, not counting the Colorado Rapids game, they have seven games left. There's still games left, but if you don't, if you don't get that win tomorrow against San Jose, it, it's it's going to start to look, it's going to start to go very, very tight on them, and it's going to start the pressure is really going to start to add on to them. Well, a couple of things with Chicharito, the ten million dollar, it was almost ten million dollars, a little less than ten million dollar transfer fee from Sevilla. That's the highest in team history. And I, you know, I, I, I thought, and I still think it was a good move for the galaxy. I think I agree. Chicharito, I agree. Um, in, in a, in an area with 6 million Mexican and Mexican Americans, uh, he's going to get their attention. The galaxy have not, and maybe can blame COVID for this, but the galaxy have not made it any good use of Chicharito in the community to try to bring fans out. I mean, um, you know, he's been largely to me invisible to the media since so the, the first week of the season, way back in March, so they're not getting their money out out of him that way, um, but when it's a mental thing with Chicharito, it, well, it's a mental and then it's a tactical thing. The mental thing is, you know, put yourself in Chicharito's shoes. You know, he's the leading scorer in the history of the Mexican national team. Had a pretty decent World Cup. Um, when he went from Leverkusen to West Ham, he got to West Ham back in the Premier League. Then there was a coaching change, and Chicharito was not the target striker anymore. He went went back to the bench. He languished in the bench. He didn't do well, um, did not uh, really produce when he came on. So he went to Sevilla. Now, Sevilla has a, a reputation of taking players, um, getting them. They're very much like the Oakland A's of international soccer. They'll get players at a reduced price, sort of spruce them up a little bit, and then sell them on, you know, sell them to the highest bidder and make a lot of money. Um, it's kind of a fixer at uh, Chicharito took a pay cut to come to Sevilla in the hopes of playing. I don't think that was ever Sevilla's intention. I think Sevilla's intention all along was to sell him somewhere. And then when he wound up coming back to the U.S., you look at people like Robbie Keane and Steven Gerrard. They came here, you know, um, to to sort of show that they were still that they were still good players and to finish their career. And they had a, an objective. I really think Chicharito felt like a major league star that had been sent down to the minor leagues. Yep. I think when he came to MLS, he felt like at 30, he came at 30. I think he felt like, you know, I'm being sent to Siberia. I don't deserve the Forget the money. I don't think Chicharito plays for the money. He felt like he was being sent to Siberia and he didn't deserve it. And I don't think that he was motivated. So I think that's the mental part of it. Um, I really thought Jonathan Dos Santos would have done a lot more to sort of prepare him for this. That doesn't look as if that's happened. But, but, but hold on. Let me, let me, let me add, add on to that. 
if he has a mentality because it, it's a lot of speculation it, it is because of that of that youtube video he said you know he was crying when he said you know i'm gonna you know i don't even recall the words you know i'm gonna you know my career is going down uh, essentially saying that you know the mls uh hinting that you know his retirement is near if you already have that mentality how engaged are you to want to play you know what i'm saying how how engaged are you if you're already having them? If you already feel like you said he's going to the minor league with that baseball reference, how how engaged are you? You have a kid, you know your wife has just had a kid. You're 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 playing video games over here. You're doing Bud Light seltzer commercials left and right, which don't make sense with that brand. It, it just I, I, to me that doesn't make sense with the brand, uh, with your brand to do Bud Light seltzer commercials while you're injured and stuff. But nevertheless, I think that's all on him. That's all on him. And he, he can change that, you know. I, I just think his perception, the things that he, he posts out on social media, again, I'm not here to tell someone how to do it, but the perception, the perception, maybe he doesn't care, maybe he doesn't understand. The perception is that he, like you said, he went to the minor leagues, he doesn't feel like he should be here, and it appears that he may not be fully committed to this team. And that that is not fair to the LA Galaxy. That is not fair to the LA Galaxy fans. But that sometimes it happens, and I and I hope this is not true. But the way we're what we're, we're, we're seeing from him so far, it's 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 kind of sad to see because you at times there's flashes of him, there's flashes of the old Chicharito, there's those little flashes. But at times he doesn't look engaged, and I don't know what type of relationship he has with these with his teammates because obviously when you when you're a pro you don't have to have the best relationship the biggest relationship you should have that is that you want to win right and i don't know and i don't really see that they, i mean the players haven't been vocal about that i don't know how their relationship is you know and you don't you don't really see that but i, I think if he's not fully engaged and if he's not mentally there that's more on him than on anybody else well you had the same problem with i think with giovanni dos santos yep. I mean, he, he was so incredibly talented that he could go out and still score goals on occasion, but I don't think he was ever really into the game. And, well, and he was I, more into partying and doing other stuff like that. Yeah, you know? and, and I'm not sure that he under you know, that he really knew. If you ask him a half hour after the game whether the team are won or lost, I'm not sure that uh, Jonathan has been different. And I, I would have thought Jonathan might have rubbed off on Chicharito. And, and we, I, I'm just speculating. I mean, because Chicharito has kind of been an enigma to the media for most of the year, we haven't really got a chance to sort of talk to him about a lot of this stuff but that's sort of my my take on it that 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 maybe he isn't fully committed or he's trying to get committed but his heart's just not in it Mm -hmm. um but the other thing is the technical tactical part of it is and sebastian legit talked about this last week when they had zalatan all you had to do was get the ball up the field just just kick it up the field and zalatan would find it uh, the ball in the air, especially Zalatan being as tall as he was, was very dominant force in the air. Just get the ball to Zalatan and he'll make something happen. Chicharito is a totally different player. Chicharito likes the ball on the ground. He doesn't play that well in the air. Uh, he's more of a poacher than a playmaker like Zalatan. He is not going to create a goal out of nothing or very rarely. If you get him the ball in a good position and he moves around the box and that's where he lives, he lives in the box. You know, Zalatan was all over the field. Um, you know, Chicharito has a very distinct way that he plays. And so when the Galaxy come up the field, and again, Sebastian Legette mentioned this, they need to find him. They need to get him on the run. They need to get him on the move, and he's going to be in the box. So that means they got to bring the ball 80 to 85 yards before mm-hmm. it's going to be effective. 
that wasn't the case with Zlatan. They're two different players, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying they're different players, and the Galaxy have had to adapt the way they play. And one problem with that is, you know, when they played with Zlatan, they had a target striker. You know, they they, they played sort of, uh, you know, with uh, a three-man midfield and then one striker. They've tried to do that with Chicharito, I think. They've tried to put him up front um, with three midfielders behind him. I, I don't think that works with Chicharito. I think more a basic 4-4-2. I mean, the Galaxy are struggling, right? Go back to basics. Make it easy. Play the 4-4-2. Put Pavone or somebody up with Chicharito have two, and, and let him play off that person. I think that will be much more effective for Chicharito. I know he played a 4-3-3 with Mexico, and he's very good. But we don't have, you know, Chucky Lozano and Raul Jimenez. They're not on the Galaxy team. Um, so you have to play with what you have. I think if they went to a basic 4-4-2 and allowed Pavone to be up, uh, maybe Pavone, somebody else, uh, legit, uh, somebody to play, Ethan Zubek, somebody to play off Chicharito, I think he'd be much more effective. Uh, and I, I, would, I would agree with you um, that they do, they do need – he does need more assistance up there. Um, I think I think the thing which would be difficult for GBS is to change everything tactically right now. I think maybe that's a struggle he's having because I agree with you. He needs he needs assistance up there, and maybe he's hoping that Yoni Gonzalez, we did, which we saw him play forward last game, uh, maybe Yoni Gonzalez he could be he could be that that you know the right winger and you have Pavone on the left. But I think like you said it comes down to the final product and. And I, it, it just, but on top of that, Chicharito hasn't looked good though. He 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 just hasn't looked good in, in these games. And and like how we mentioned, if he's not there mentally, it doesn't matter if you do a four four two, or whatever, if whatever formation, if he if, if the man is not there mentally, there's so much. There's only so much that you can do. And I feel like right now, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think he's getting more and more into game shape, but he hasn't looked. Um, like you know the chicharito uh, of game shape, and you know I think he does need to maybe get a little bit more engaged game shape, get a little bit more mentally prepared because a lot a lot of this game is, is just about being more more mentally prepared, and at times it doesn't look like he's there. So I agree that the, he does need a, assistance up there because he's not a slot time, and he he's a, he's a poacher. He's he's inside the box type of guy. But I think on top of that, you also need the effort from him. And right now, it doesn't appear that you're getting that from him. And again, it's 2020. There's a lot of different things that, that's been going on this year. I think you would just expect, if you're an LA Galaxy fan, you expect a little bit more out of him, more of the effort. And you hope to see that in these next seven games because if they don't make the make the playoffs or whatever, I think things are going to start to look ugly. Uh, you know, I don't know what the future is going to look like for this team, you know, potentially Guillermo and everything that's going on. But you have these seven games and these seven games are so crucial and you need everybody to buy in. And um, we're going to find out tomorrow how well everybody's bought in. But I think on top of that, you want Chicharito to score. That's a, that's a big and you want to win with Chicharito on the field. Like you said, they, they have not won with them on the field. Yeah, well, you know, there's no question that the Galaxy wind up in last place. Um, Guillermo's not coming back. I don't see how, any way that that can happen. And you, we talked about LAFC having an easy schedule. The Galaxy schedule is not all that tough either. I mean, they have a chance to get on a run. They'll play – every. obviously, they're in last place, so every team in the conference is ahead of them. But they do play San Jose and Vancouver their next two games, both at home, both games winnable. Then LAFC, that'll be a tough game. And then Portland. 
Um, but then they and, and then they they finish with Real Salt Lake, Seattle, and Vancouver again. So you know you look at that and there's four games that are that are winnable. You know maybe five. I think they I think they probably need. They have uh, uh, what would that be? Twenty one points still available. Mm-hmm. They probably need at least fifteen of those. I mean I think they need to get yeah. thirty points to have a real shot. And and with Colorado having so many games that they're not going to be able to make up, this may, thing may be decided in points per game. Yep. The Galaxy are at one right now. That's not going to get it done. They're they're really going to have to pick up the pace if they hope to make the playoffs, whether it's done by a full season record or points per game. Yeah, and on top of that, actually we should add that these next three games are in Los Angeles. So they play Vancouver at home. Uh, excuse me, they play San Jose at home, Vancouver at home, and then – a road game to LAFC, which is on Los Angeles. So you don't got to travel. You don't got to worry about anything for these next three games. Obviously, that game against uh, LAFC is going to be tough. Um, but these next two games are going to be um, very, very crucial for them because they, they don't got to travel these next, what's a week and a half, look, this next week. Look week at this. Half. I mean, they played they played, they played, played it in, in Real Salt Lake on September 23rd. Since then... Since that game, they have not left the state. Their only road game during that time, because of the Colorado postponement, the only road game during that time was in San Jose. Other than that game, they played Seattle in Carson. They played Portland in Carson. They're going to play San Jose in Carson. They're going to play Vancouver in Carson. Then they're going to play LAFC at LAFC. So they, you know, they've had one game outside Southern California since September 23rd. And that game outside LA was only to San Jose. So the schedule couldn't have been much, as far as from the travel perspective, the schedule couldn't have been much better for them. Exactly. No, and I, and I completely agree. Um, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Just a quick cocktail. Do, do the LA Galaxy make the playoffs? No. <laughs> well, that was quick. <laughs> that was quick. You didn't even have to think about it. Why, though? Why? Why don't they make the playoffs? I think they dug themselves too deep a hole. Um, tomorrow's game will tell. I mean, if they win, if they if they sweep these next two games, if they beat, not tied, but if they beat San Jose and Vancouver, two teams that are within reach. I mean, if they if they beat uh, Vancouver, let's see, if they beat Vancouver, they would go ahead of them in the playoff race. Um, San, Jose, uh, San Jose is a little bit uh, further ahead. But if they win these next two games, yeah, then they would be positioned because I think they're going to have trouble with LAFC. I think they're going to have trouble with Portland. At I Portland. think the LAFC game is, is – is, it could be a toss-up because it's – Yeah, I mean, the way LAFC is playing right now, though, I, I would give them the favorite. But it, if they win those two games, San Jose and Vancouver, then they're in position because I think the LAFC game will be tough. Uh, Portland just beat them 6-3, to three, so they go to Portland. That's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, then they still have that makeup game with Seattle and Seattle will probably be full strength by then November 4th. So, you know, there's there's three three games they could lose in there too. So, mm-hmm. if they win these two games if they go back ahead of Vancouver, yeah, they could do it, especially since their last game of the season is with Vancouver. It's in Portland, but it's with Vancouver. That's a very winnable game. But you know, I I don't I don't think they make it. You know, Houston's playing pretty well too. They're ahead of them. Um I see, you know, Real Salt Lake is much better than they've played so far. Um, I, I don't think they make it right now, but if they win these next two games, uh, you know, check with me in a week because that would I would definitely change my mind. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Well, we're, we're very interested to see what happens tomorrow. Um, very, very interested to see what happens tomorrow because uh, well, I'll they're... be there, and you'll be you'll be there too, watching basketball on TV again. <laughs> no, basketball <laughs> basketball already ended. So I mean, the the Lakers won. Don't, don't got to worry about watching uh watching the the, the Lakers or any any NBA. The NBA season has ended. Hey, I had to watch it. I had I had to watch. I had to watch some. I had to watch it. Um, the finals, you know. So I knew there were still more games going on, but. I'm all locked in for this one. <laughs> all right, I guess I'll see you there tomorrow then. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't be. I won't be there tomorrow. Um, I have a photographer there tomorrow, but I'll, I'll be. I'll be there at the next game. Um, I'll be watching though. I'm gonna be watching from home. I got. I got. The all right. Home. Well, what you see on TV then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be watching it from, from TV though. But um, but yeah, Kevin. I get. I think that's all. That's all. That's all the time we have. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think that's it. I think it's pretty thorough. All right, Kevin, let the people know who already don't follow you, where they can follow you. KBaxter11 on Twitter and then at the LA Times, latimes.com. There you go, guys. Give Kevin a follow if you guys already don't follow him. Obviously, guys, you guys can follow me at Gio Garcia LA on Twitter and check us out at LA Soccer Hub on all social media. Also, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, you know, Give us your thoughts. Drop a comment. Let let us know what you think. Uh, For Kevin, this is Gio. That's going to wrap things up, guys. Thanks.